What? Oh, oh. Shout. One second, please. Greetings, driver fans. Thanks for listening to episode six of Designated Driver. I'm Liz. I'm Malia. And today we're going to talk about a lot of topics mm-hmm. and the movie Tracks. Mm-hmm. And I have a new microphone. I don't know if you can tell, but this is our first time recording inside. Yeah, the wheel is turning. It's true. We've is that seen... what he says? He always turns the knobs or the gauges. Our governor, you know, he's like, I'm right. Th- the dials. Oh, okay. The dials turn down. I'm thinking of, have you read Confederacy of Dunces? No. The main character in that always says, talks about the wheel of Fortuna. And he's always like, the wheel has turned. Like when things start to change. That just stuck in my brain. And I always think that. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have this new microphone. I feel so professional. Ordering a microphone is a great rite of passage for any podcaster. Yes. (laughs) We hope that all of you appreciate it because I did feel a little bad about the sound on the last one and neither of us knew, but we're, we're changing it up. Yeah, we're working on it. I mean, a lot of podcasters seem to record in their closet or Mm -hmm. things like that. And I'm like, do you really need to? I think maybe you do though. I'm worried yeah. that there's an echo on my voice for some reason today. We'll see how it turns yeah, out. Yeah, we'll see. And we can hear the refrigerator, but we're pretty sure the condenser coil is going to turn off. And then the sound will be, like, premium. And, yeah, eventually we'll be in a closet somewhere. Yeah, probably. Surrounded with clothes, no background noise. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking maybe uh, the craft room in our house would be good. Because we have carpet in there. There you go, carpet. Yeah. Okay. So stay tuned because maybe next week we're going to record in my house. I don't know. We'll see. So we didn't really talk this through before we started recording, but I feel like we have some important updates to share. A lot of news. Should we start with the rat report? I think we... And I mean that in a couple of ways. Yes. We learned the craziest thing, and you out there, if you're in Adam Driver fandom, I'm still trying to learn how to use that word fandom like you're in a fandom right it's like a place isn't it yeah like a kingdom yeah like a kingdom like I I hear kids use it naturally like they know how to use it and I'm trying to self-consciously like an adult trying to say something that a kid says and sounds really dumb when they say it Mm -hmm. anyway super fans of Adam Driver are called rats because of the uh, law and order clip Mm -hmm. where he says the rats need to be fed on time. You think it is anything to do with how Adam Driver looks? Like he looks a little bit like a rat? Maybe? I think he looks a little like yeah. a rat. I mean, no shade at all. Uh, we think he looks rad. Yeah. So, hello rats. We're rats. Yes, and rats are hungry and they need to be fed on time. And that's anytime there's a new Adam Driver piece of news, you're feeding the rats. That's how it works on Reddit and stuff. And the whole uh, talking about the rats is not some kind of high concept thing. It's just serendipity, just coincidence that I did really get rats. So now when we have the rat report, it has a double meaning. The rat report, I'll share one story about the rats this week, Stormy and Jem. Stormy went on her own little walkabout. Uh, The girls play with the rats out on the porch and put like a a cardboard thing in front of the door so the door can be open to the house. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Stormy breached this barrier and probably just jumped over it or something and got through into the house. And there is no way to find a rat in a house. No, there's so much stuff, especially when you have kids. Yeah, and a house like this, it's it's over 100 years old. There's crazy holes everywhere. Like if you get down, if you got down on the floor by the dishwasher, it looks like, oh, that's just the corner where the dishwasher is. But it's actually, if you reach your hand, it's a, it's a deep hole. And I don't know how deep it goes. We have a deep hole in our, what year is your house? Um, 1910 ours or is, 1909. Yeah, ours yeah. is 1918. Okay. But it's the same thing. If you go down in our kitchen, like you're going to go down the stairs to the basement, in the wall, there are these little holes like where the wood, the wainscoting comes together in some places. Yeah, it's an old house thing. It's yeah. scary. Check out that radiator right there. If you look yeah. underneath it, there's just like a hole. 
that maybe goes down to the basement. I think there might be some duct tape over it, mm -hmm. but there's secret holes in every nook and cranny of this house. Totally. But okay. does anyone want a Negroni? All right, we just got a cocktail from Peter. I think this is a nice sound. Yeah, this is a nice sound. In my experience with drinking and podcasting, you feel like it's better but then it's actually, actually worse. It's the thing is you have to go back and listen to it. So anyway, I think we were talking about holes and houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we should talk about the, and so storm, I think where we were is that Stormy got inside. Yeah. And okay. So there's a million holes. There's stuff everywhere. And also there's a basement door that has like a two inch gap between the floor and the door. So, I mean, Stormy could go right down there and if she got into the basement, it's over. There's, I mean, we'd never find her down there. So Peter was gone. It was just me and the girls. One of us was bereft, just too upset to even look. Another one of us was problem solving. She Should I guess here. which one was which? <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. sure. Okay, I'll keep going. Say, give me my three mm. options, and then I'll guess. One of us was getting mad that the house was such a mess and that we'd never <laughs> find the rat and why do we have so much stuff. So can you guess who I, was thinking what? Mm -hmm. I think you were mad because the house was really messy. Yep. Because that's what I would be doing. I think Opal was problem solving and I think Liesl was bereft. You're absolutely correct. Yes. Three for three. <laughs> you know us so well. <laughs> So we sort of aimlessly, I mean, we were sort of looking under couches and Opal was sure that she thought she heard a squeak near the dishwasher. So she was sure it was in that deep hole with no end. Mm -hmm. But no, this is what Stormy did. Well, we don't know her full route. You'll never know. But we found her by the cage, standing on a box, trying to get into the side of the cage. Oh, and we found she's a good her, girl. Yeah, yeah. We found her because Liesl just heard a rustling. And that's what I thought. We're just going to have to try to hear her. And we tried to watch videos <laughs> to find how to find your rat, and they were really unhelpful. It was like, look for the rat. <laughs> look oh around God. the baseboards. You have adrenaline coursing through your body. I can't focus when I, something like that happens. I feel like if you have a cat, and I heard an example of someone doing this once, you could open a can of tuna. Yes, that does work with cats. I've had that. I've done that. They'll come to the tuna. Eventually. Oh. They'll take their time. You know that song, The Cat Came Back? The yeah. Very, it's true. The very next day. Yeah. They're like, I got to do my own thing for yeah. one whole day. Yeah, cats. They're like, their fuck you. Yeah. What about your cats? Do they go outside at all? No. Our 10 listeners probably know that my <laughs> husband and I used to have seven cats in a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> now we're down to two. We've never had any escape in our time, and they genuinely seem to enjoy being indoors, and they feel like they've got it good, and I think that's because they all started life as strays. Yeah, but we yeah. did lose one in the basement once, and I thought it might be the end of my relationship with my husband. It was when we were moving to our house, and we couldn't find one of our cats, Oscar, who has zero street smarts, street smarts. Like, absolutely, he would not make it a day. He's very beautiful, but not savvy. Joel completely lost his mind, because we were in our fourplex, and the basement I mean there's just generations of tenants who are down there so there's just crap everywhere and he was sure I don't know I think Oscar he just came back like mm -hmm. a cat mm -hmm. he turned up but I was house sitting once and this the cat their cat was pardon my French but their cat was an asshole Lily <laughs> and she bit me and ran out the front door when I was taking care of her and I screamed bloody murder one of the neighbors came out and yelled at me for yelling and swearing, and then the cat was gone, but she came back the next day. I put out some tuna, Lily came back. Well, let me ask you this. Was Oscar originally Joel's cat? Yes. And so he was, he was bereft. Oh my God. I think he on some level was blaming me, but we were moving, you know, things were just happening. People were going in and out. It's hard not to blame just the person that's there. Yeah. If you're in a couple, it helps to remember that when something stressful happens or something bad happens, you just see the other person and you're like, I think it's their, yeah. <laughs> their fault. Yep. 
uh, some things are, you know, no one's fault, but you have these feelings. You want to yeah. blame somebody. Yeah, you're just so angry. So he wasn't, my husband is one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my whole life. So he didn't directly say, I think it's your fault, but I could tell he thought it was my fault and he was so upset. And I really was thinking, is our relationship over at this time? Because... <laughs> I was so relieved when Oscar came back. Anyway, Oscar's long gone now. Oscar is in heaven, and we have two cats. They never try to get out. So I'm so glad that Stormy knew what was good and stayed. What was Jem doing? Jem's just doing her thing all the time. It was surprising because Jem is super curious, going all over the place when she gets a chance to not be in her cage. And Stormy seems a little more cautious. So Mm -hmm. if Jem had got loose, I don't know if we would have found her. We were glad it was Stormy because, yeah, yeah, she was just trying to get back with Jem and back to her home. I mean, they love their home. It has hammocks. It's got all the things that rats like, you know. Mm -hmm. It's got newsprint with no ink on it that they can shred up and make their home. And Yeah. I do know from the Andersons that when they were taking care of Jem and Stormy, this weekend, they came in and found Jim and Stormy snuggling on the hammock and thought it was very cute. They are really cute when they get on the hammock together. So that's the rat report. Yeah, we had a scare. But everyone's safe and sound now. Did, do you think yeah. they missed you while you were camping? Did I think they seem they excited? Did. Yeah, they did seem really excited when, when the girls opened up their cage. They were kind of running back and forth. So the rats are good, and they seem like they're getting fatter. Well, I like that. I love mm-hmm. a fat pet. A skinny rat looks kind of sad. I also realized that I have twins and rats, two things that are used in psychological studies a lot. (laughs) That's true. What does that mean? What does that say about you? I don't know. I'm going to have to think on that. That I should have been like a scientist? Or or like a shrink, like Mm -hmm. a therapist. I never feel like I should have been a therapist. I don't think I missed my calling there. Actually, your your daughters are fraternal twins, so I don't know if they would be candidates for a lot of the would they it doesn't don't they have to be identical to be candidates for a lot of those studies? Well, I think you can study identical twins and fraternal twins. Identical twins have the most since they have the same genes. Uh, but they also usually have the same environment. Mhm. So, fraternal twins have different genes, but the same environment. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the way you can study fraternal twins. But, I mean, we've never studied them. <laughs> They've never been studied. <laughs> it's always the worst scenario that's the best for studying, which is, did you see the movie about the triplet boys? No, but I want to. I know what you're talking about. This movie <clears throat> blew my mind. So it's three triplets separated at birth and it turned out spoiler that they were intentionally separated to study them that seems to study unethical it's unethical for sure why did their parents allow that to happen they didn't know no one knew they didn't know the parents were they didn't know they had triplets okay so the triplets were given up for adoption otherwise they wouldn't have been separated that's got to be the case Because you wouldn't, I think, have triplets and keep one. So I think the triplets, all three, were given up for adoption. That's wild. And what they told the birth mother or parents is that they couldn't find a family that would take three babies. That that's impossible. They're going to have to go to separate families. That's not the case. And when everyone found out, the parents of the individual triplets, pretty much all of them were like, we would have taken all three. We would have for sure taken all three. So they didn't ask them. And they visited the, the triplets in their homes and tested them and observed them in their homes because they were studying different parenting styles. And one parent, should I spoil this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, now one, I'm horrified. This happened in America, right? This is like a yeah, horrible... Yeah, okay. yeah, it was in the Northeast, I think. I'll say Boston. No, I don't know. Staring Boston <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> no, I think it was New York because they did move to New York City. And they were in like a Madonna video or they were in a Madonna movie as extras. Okay. All three of them? Yeah, because they found each other eventually. That's terrible. It's it's so tragic because they had a history of mental illness in the family. 
And I think that the scientists knew this as well. So one set of parents was sort of authoritarian, like not as warm, kind of cold. And one of the parents, like the dad was super loving and a pillar of his community. And it was just a great home environment. And I can't remember the third. So all of the boys struggled with Mm -hmm. mental illness, but one committed suicide the one that had like the authoritarian parents that weren't, that never talked about anything, feelings, or just kind of didn't talk about things. And the whole thing was planned. And at one point the parents... Who planned it though? The hospital? It wasn't, clearly the adoptive parents didn't, did the adoptive parents know this was happening? No, they didn't know it. Okay, so there was like a adoption agency. uh, And I think they were kind of in cahoots with some psychologists who would do these studies. So they would let them know if they got twins or multiples of any kind. And then they'd keep tabs on them. So, yeah, it's really treating humans like lab rats, which I don't think, I don't know if rats should really be treated that way either. I just don't know how much you can really learn with rat studies. Some people would probably say it was a lot. I think a lot of people have learned a lot of things from rat studies. But that'll be my homework for this week. Okay. I'll figure that out. Are rat studies... How much people learn from rats. Really worth it. Okay, tangent about those triplets. That's a good movie. I can't remember the title of it. I watched it on a plane, and for some reason, movies I've seen on planes, like, they really hit you hard. There's been research on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you're so vulnerable. Yeah, I always cry, and I think because the air is thinner... I oh. But I seek out movies that I know will make me cry because it makes me feel so good. I feel yes. like I get it all out. Like I look for a movie that's going to make me cry and there's going to be love and there's going to be lost love and joy and sorrow. Like I want it. I look for the super extra emotional movies on planes. I watched The Star is Born on a plane, the most oh. recent one. Oh my God. Good choice. I was so obsessed with the movie. Like I was visiting relatives you know that live far away so you are having a great reunion but in my mind half my mind was still thinking about a star is born the entire day i couldn't stop thinking about it deeply affected i also watched 10 things i hate about you love that movie me too um i think it was the same flight this was like the greatest (laughs) flight ever i had really bad headphones i feel like i've mentioned this I don't think I've said it on a podcast. Maybe I I probably have. I have a limited number of stories, and I have five podcasts. So (laughs) (laughs) I had bad headphones, and I had it on really loud. And also there's, like, loud music and then dialogue. So the volume was changing a lot, and I got yelled at by the flight attendant. They're like, are your headphones on, or are they working? Or anyway, it seemed normal to me, but I guess they gave me some replacement headphones. And then I also got dinged at work. I was listening to something really loud and people are like, is that your headphones? <laughs> so they were just playing like a radio, I think. They, like everyone could hear what I, what I heard. But yeah. That, that movie is so good. Heath Ledger is so dreamy. I know. So good. One I love really, that movie. Yeah, weird. Even moment. though Julia Stiles is a weird late 90s phenomenon. Have we talked about this? Mm-mm. She's not actually a very good actress, and she's not (laughs) especially beautiful. And why was she in 8 million movies in the late 90s? Unclear. Although, anytime a Styles movie comes on, I will watch it. I think she's kind of cool. Like, she has a cool look. I guess. (laughs) In a skinny blonde way. Just generic. Yeah. Yeah, some people, they're just in everything. I mean, Adam Driver, I think, is similar, just in that he's in a lot of movies. Yes. Is this the Adam Driver moment, though? Is he the Parker Posey of our time? But see, I give Parker Posey a pass, too, because she's talented and funny, and I understand why she gets cast in certain movies, because she's perfect in them. And I would say the same thing is true of Adam Driver, but when I see Julia Stiles, I don't feel that. I feel like Stiles. Okay. <laughs> like you're mad. Well, I just... <laughs> What was the movie? I thought she was like a teen. I think she was very wealthy and had wealthy friends and like was doing a lot of drugs. Oh, you know what I mean? no. You know what I was going to say? She's the ha- Anne Hathaway of the late 90s. Why, Julia Stiles? Yeah. You know, it turns out Anne Hathaway, though, is very talented. Say more. <laughs> I... I mean, I felt the same way about her, but 
think she's a big like musical theater person. She can. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Didn't you see her when she hosted the Oscars? The ill-fated Oscar hosting with Franco? Oh, did they sing and dance? I think I did see She was trying way too hard. So for me, she is also Joseph Gordon-Levitt trying too hard, too eager. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of that guy. This is like trash. The subtext of this podcast is just trash actors. Because I did want to share some Hollywood news about the book about Andrew McCarthy and by Andrew McCarthy, Brat, which I still want to tell all of you that my 10 listeners that you should read it. It is great. It is a great slim little Hollywood memoir. Learned a lot. And I love slim paperbacks for the summer. Reading on the porch, just as like the sun is fading at the end of the day, drinking your Negroni, it was perfect for that. Yeah. Highly recommend it for that. And I will also say, I learned a lot about filmmaking from him because he became a director and he talks a lot about the things he learned as an actor that he's applied to being a director. Like he never says action because he always felt that that was really off-putting when he was an actor. So he always says action like Mm -hmm. that. Well, it's like when we're starting the podcast, you have to say the introduction. Mm-hmm. And if someone said action really loud and clicked a thing, that would really throw me off. Because you have to get into the goofy mode of changing from just chit-chatting in a social way to and uh, did I tell chit-chatting you? with the microphone on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did I tell you this last time that I learned that Henry Winkler has always been a mensch? Do you love Henry Winkler? Yeah, definitely. Everyone loves him, right? Yeah, of course. So, He's hilarious. Did I tell... Mm-hmm. So did you watch Barry? I watched a little oh, Barry. Yeah, and I mean, I love Bill Hader, but I didn't stick with the whole Barry. Oh, yeah. so good. Okay, okay. Love Barry. Highly recommend. I want the next season to happen. I love Henry Winkler. Everyone does. He didn't die, did he? No. Okay, okay. No. Just checking. But he has a very poignant story arc. Anywho. I mean, in real life, he's alive. No, no, no. He's alive. Yeah, he's, he's great. Alive he's doing working. great. Everything's yeah. fine. Henry Winkler's great. But when Andrew McCarthy was kind of having his moment in Hollywood, he also was having a drinking problem that he was really struggling with. So he got invited to this party at Paramount because he was like one of their rising stars. But he got kind of trashed before he went because he was really nervous. So he's just kind of sitting in the corner and all the party planners are like, okay, everyone, we've got to take a group picture of our talent, you know, and he tries to slink off into the corner. But good old Henry Winkler comes over and takes him by the arm and he's like, you come with me. And he like holds him by the arm. And in the picture, Andrew McCarthy's standing right next to Henry Winkler and Henry Winkler is holding him up and moving him around and like helping him work the party and Anyway. What a nice mentor he yeah, is. Yeah, he's a good guy. I heard, maybe you heard this too, I feel like he was on maybe a show like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and he talked about water skiing. How he was so proud of himself? Well, he, he was... Because really, he literally jumped the shark? Yeah, and yeah, he was really good at water skiing, and his parents always wanted him to do something with his water skiing, but he's an actor or whatever, and so he wrote them a letter. He's like, I'm finally going to do something with the water skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, became an infamous uh, jumping the shark thing. So, yeah, it was really funny. If you don't know... Our listeners, in in a late episode of Happy Days, the Fonz is water skiing and he jumps over a shark and that's where the expression comes from. But I do remember him saying he was so proud of himself and having his little moment. Yeah, I, I, I like the thing him. of how parents just being kind of off about what, like not being able to accept their children's chosen career. But I just think it's really funny that it's water skiing. Usually it's, you could still be a doctor. Yeah, or like an or, accountant. <laughs> yeah, I feel like one of the Beastie Boys, I read an article where his mom, she's like, you could still be a doctor. He's like a very popular band. <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoyed that book. And I also just want to say that I finished my Polly Platt podcast that I loved so much. And while we're taking down our favorite actors or not, I think we talked about how much we love John Cusack or maybe not. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how I feel about Better Off Dead. Yeah. I'm super devoted to it. Very good. He doesn't like that movie. I know, I know. So Polly Platt produced Say Anything and Cameron Crowe was a first time director. So she kind of mentored him. But she knew that that iconic scene where he's holding the boombox over his head was going to be the thing that sold the movie. John Cusack didn't want to do it. 
he thought it was going to be like this corny teenage movie thing and he'd already been in corny teenage movies so he's like no way so they had to coerce him into doing it and she kind of butted heads with him a little bit but cameron crowe loved polly platt and legendary producer she made him she also made i didn't know this wes anderson she's the one who produced bottle rocket his first movie with owen wilson and they needed a lot of mentoring and she did it and she shepherded him through the process and put them on their way to where they are now it was so interesting but also i was like damn it john cusack you're my person but maybe you're not i actually think that to be so serious i guess i feel like he's some one of those people who's kind of average but thinks they're smarter than they are Mm-hmm. That scene, I feel like it's referenced a lot these days as stalker behavior. I know. If someone's talking about romantic comedies, and this teaches men to not take no for an answer and be stalkers. But was it really that bad? I mean, he stood in a yard with a boombox. That's not that bad. And then he didn't force her to and she, do anything. She wasn't saying no to him. She was saying no under duress because she felt like her father needed her more. I felt like the story was really about a young woman who's trapped in a lot of bad relationships. And he sees her potential in a way that her father doesn't. So Oh, it's a patriarch story where it, it's a father handing off his daughter to... A man, another man, or not? Yeah, well, it's a father who sucks. I can't remember the details. Oh, the dad is really bad in the end. He thinks he's doing everything to help her, but he's stealing money from the nursing home where he works. The nursing home? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, does she have a mom? No. Even in those movies, they never have moms. Yeah, I think the reason, one of the reasons for that is because just men not knowing how to write women characters. It's like erasing the mom. A lot of Disney movies, they don't have the mom. And you can think of it as a patriarchal conspiracy of let's not show the moms, they're not important. Or just the more practical reason of if everyone working on the movie is a man, they might not know how to make a mom character. I always thought it was because... Am I giving them too much credit? What do you think? I thought it was because mother-daughter relationships are always so fraught. And it's more poignant when when an old, crusty dad can be sensitive for the daughter. So there's more emotional weight to it. But I'm sure there's some patriarchy mixed in. Kind of like the dad owns the daughter. And then who's he going to pass her off to? Footloose is a classic example. There's so many movies. Yeah. You see this play out and there's no mom. Because the drama is... There's the relationship between the daughter and the father. And, and it's like the, the two of them against the world. The transition, yeah, between her going to another man. Okay, see, it's slightly different from you differently, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're both right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe this Negroni is going to my head. I don't know. We brought up Wes Anderson, and I keep thinking about in tracks. Okay, this is going to be such a hard one. Mia? Okay, I'm going to look at how to pronounce it. So Liz's job today is to pronounce this actress's name because I can't. Mia Wyshikowska. Okay. I'm just going to call her Mia. She was Alice in Alice in Wonderland, a movie that Disney put out, and so therefore it made over a billion dollars. But I I mean, the girls were watching it. I'm like, why is Tim Burton doing kids' movies? Because he's too creepy. Beetlejuice is a kids' movie. No. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time. I mean, he does a lot of kids' movies. Nightmare Before Christmas. I've never seen that. I am a Tim Burton fan, but I feel like Wes Anderson should be doing these kids' movies. because I, he has I agree with you. And I think Disney, if they don't already own him, they should buy him. <laughs> and, <they're laughs> and, team totally. him and team him up with some more support with stories. The plots and stories of his movies never stick with me, and I never... I agree with you. I feel like it's style over substance every time. Every time, yeah. I mean, the style, you can't beat it. I mean, everything and every detail. But I never really get into what happens, or even can remember later what happens... Just like There's sometimes some really good characters, but I think that's the actors doing their work really well, sometimes more than it's Wes Anderson directing them really well. Yeah, like Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, yes. Would you say that's the best Wes Anderson movie? I like Rushmore. Rushmore, yeah. I love the joke when he says, I'm an OR doctor. Oh, are you? <laughs> I just think that's the best. <laughs> I mean, I watched the fantastic Mr. Fox. Yep, I enjoyed that. Which I really like, but I really think it's kind of sexist now. There's just not really, there's a wife. 
It's one of those movies where it's all male characters, and I'm just like, oh, that's disappointing to me. Well, to your point, I can't remember anything that happens in that. But always aesthetically perfect and amazing. So Disney, buy Wes Anderson. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) And have him make... Dear Disney. (laughs) Dear Walt Disney. (laughs) Children. (laughs) Have you thought about purchasing Wes Anderson? (laughs) Uh, I would love to see a version of Alice in Wonderland done Me by too. Wes Anderson. That's who needs to do it. Me too. I feel like uh, Tim Burton is a little ham-handed sometimes. There's not like a ton of delicacy in the stuff that he does, and he definitely is has a niche. Now that I'm thinking about it, like Edward Scissorhands is a fairy tale, and it's beautiful, and I it makes it. me cry yeah, every single it. time. Yeah, I want to watch that again. Oh, I, love I just that feel movie. sad about it because Johnny Depp, it's I mean, gross. is just I the worst person ever now. And I didn't know that before. And now that I know that, it's harder to like Johnny Depp in things. Why does he have to be so bad? I feel like we're going to have a reckoning about this, though. Because at some point, things are going to swing the other way. Like, I don't think I'm going to go buy any Woody Allen movies anytime soon. But at some point, don't you feel like there's going to be a conversation about the art versus the artist because I don't know where we're landing. I don't so know. many people have been canceled. Okay, Michael Jackson. I just can't take all the songs out of my playlist. I know, I can't um, I can't quit the, him either. I mean he was just the worst. Or even I mean to your Are point you gonna say Bill Cosby? No. Oh. Although I hate him for ruining my childhood, but Huh? Just in the sense, the first oh. primetime TV show my yeah, mom yeah. let me watch was The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. And everything unfolded from there. Before that, I was only allowed to watch educational TV. I loved The Cosby Show when I was a kid. He ruined my childhood. I feel that way more than any... But anyway, no, what I was going to say is I read that Sinead O'Connor profile in the New York, New York Times the other day. Yes. And the thing with Prince. Prince. But listen, I give him a pass. You do? Yeah. Because he's not a sex offender? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Sinead O'Connor... <laughs> Breaking news. You, you say it. You can say it. There's a delightful interview with Sinead O'Connor in the New York Times that came out a week ago or two weeks ago. She has a memoir, which it seems like it's only on ebook. I don't know if there's a print version. I don't know. The library Maybe. didn't have that yeah. yet. She's just the coolest. So she lives in a remote village... And she's, like, friends with all these old ladies. On a mountain. She smokes all the time. She's still bald. She's converted to Islam. And she... Tay Diggs is her pretend boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, she's got a celebrity He keeps her company. Yeah, total introvert. We'll get into this later in the episode, I think. Um, Oh, you think so? Maybe. You know, with tracks. Okay, she became super famous in the 90s for being beautiful, bald, and, and great singer. Wonderful song. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of music my husband and I agree on, but the one that we always agree on is The Lion and the Cobra by Sinead O'Connor. It's a great... I love her albums in the 90s. Can't go wrong. I just put them on my playlist. I'm like, because she didn't stay in the public eye. I kind of forgot about her. And she got in big trouble for ripping up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live, which is totally badass. Because there was allegations coming out about sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. So she was totally right. She was ahead of her time. And she was a young woman and she was vulnerable. And anyway, you go on. But she had no bitterness at all about being canceled. She's like, it was fine. I never thought of myself as a pop star. I was like a punk rocker. And then she was free to be herself again. Because once you're in the public eye, then everyone's putting their crap on you and wanting you to be a certain way and judging every single thing that you do, which I think happened a lot to Courtney Love, where she's like, I want to be famous, so that would be cool. And then she got famous and... She was Yoko Ono. And she was, everyone was like, nope, and just put her through the meat grinder. And now it seems like she doesn't want to be in the public eye or she just got vilified so much. So Sinead O'Connor did too. And Prince, who wrote Nothing Compares to You, and she sang it, and that was one of her biggest hits. There was this weird story she told about he invited her to his creepy mansion in Hollywood. They didn't say creepy, but it sounded creepy. It sounded creepy. And, And he... Made her eat soup when she said no? Yeah, he kept trying to give her food, and she was like, no, no, I don't. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's fine. That's fine. He didn't, like, touch her or anything. And then he said, this is very weird, let's have a pillow fight. (laughs) Which is so funny. Is Prince an eight-year-old girl? Because on our camping trip, 
one mom was asking a group of little girls, what would your ideal slumber party be? And it always included three movies and an epic pillow fight. And then, anyway, he's like, let's have a pillow fight. But there was something hard in the pillow and it hurt her. And so I didn't like that. And then, so she left on foot and he chased her with his car. So yeah, he's a huge asshole. I mean, that's, but that's on, not on the same level as being a sex predator. I don't cancel Prince for that. That That's terrible. He shouldn't have done that. And why does he care about the Pope? He's not Catholic. I don't think that's why he did it. I think he did that for like a million other reasons. Maybe he was jealous of the way that she had success with that song. Maybe Maybe she got a good contract Maybe with her he wanted label. her to eat that soup. Yeah. That doesn't... It's just funny to imagine a meeting between Prince and Sinead O'Connor. They just seem like two people who wouldn't normally meet. I think... Maybe they would. Okay, so here's my little true Hollywood story about Sinead O'Connor. Wait, did I tell you this already? I don't think so. Okay. I make sure to never talk to Aaliyah or let her talk to me at all. (laughs) (laughs) So we can say it all on the podcast. I'm sorry. No, no. Mm -hmm. So my 10 listeners may know that I... Should we just call them the 10? Yeah, okay. So 10... (laughs) My family lives in England, and we moved there when I was a freshman in high school, and I went to high school at an international school for a year, and Melanie Gabriel, Peter Gabriel's daughter, was in my class. Oh, A-list. Yeah. And she's, by the way, Melanie, if you're listening, which you're not, but Melanie was a very nice person. She wanted to be a marine biologist. We were 16 when we were at school together, and my international school is very small. There were 200 kids all together, so there were like 30 kids in my class. Anyway, she's a terrific person, but this other girl in my class, Laura, who is Melanie's best friend, was telling us once about how she went... That was Phil Collins' daughter? No, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, no. Lara was from Connecticut, like me. But anyway, so Lara went over to Melanie's house once, and Sinead O'Connor was there. And she was very shy. But Sinead O'Connor... shy. Yes. But remember, Sinead O'Connor talks about how she did, in fact, have a fling with Peter Gabriel. So then I I was like... Oh, that didn't stick with me. Oh, because it stuck with me. And then I was telling my husband, I was like, do you think it was in 1993 when I was in high school with Melanie? And Lara was there, and she saw Sinead O'Connor, and she's very shy. Why wouldn't it be? I think it was. Yeah. So now I want to know because I guess she gave him a weird nickname. And so now I feel like I should read the book so I can figure out what her nickname was for Peter. Interesting. Yeah. Are you a big Peter Gabriel fan? I like Peter Gabriel. I like him okay. I know I don't own his albums or anything. I like that one song, Salisbury Hill. Do you know that one? It has a really weird time signature. Joel could tell you better than I can. Okay. Yeah. Sinead O'Connor, really cool. I can't wait to read that book. You're going to read it. I'm totally going to read it. Were we just talking about if we're canceling Prince or not? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not. He's not canceled for me. Yeah, I mean, the Cosby Show, I mean, it's got to be a little bit proportional to what they do. I mean, Bill Cosby was so bad. Michael Jackson, also terrible. And the thing I hate about Woody Allen, I mean, I have always been a big Woody Allen fan, and ignored the, or was un- oblivious to the allegations until the Me Too movement, probably. But he got caught having a relationship with Soon Yi, his daughter, his adopted daughter. And he, I remember reading his comments. The way he responds to it makes me so mad. He's like, well, Mia Farrow told me to spend more time with her. You're going to just totally blame Mia Farrow. He got Have you caught. watched the HBO series? No, I haven't. I, can't. I, I just, probably won't watch uh... it. I just read the articles about it. So I'm sure there's even more in that documentary. This is my theory. So he got caught having a relationship with his daughter, and that's why they get, got married. You think so? Yeah, because he got caught. And I think because then if you get married, then you can be like, well, it wasn't sexual abuse. It was love. We got married. And it's all fine. And he Hmm. also always says the heart wants what the heart wants, Mm -hmm. which I hate because you could justify anything then. Yeah. And he was grooming his other daughter. Dylan. Dylan. And so the same thing was probably going to happen to her if... Oh, so gross. If he didn't get caught with Soon Yi. For me, uh, he is canceled right now. I I know. For me too. 
Even though Annie Hall is my favorite movie ever. I would probably watch Annie Hall again and maybe share that. But I mean, there's a lot of other movies of his I could cancel. His later years were, I mean, his movies were always good, but they also were always about a man who's 50 falling in love with a woman who's 18 or something. And I'm just like, ew, that's already kind of gross. And then knowing and more. I'm not, yes, and yet Hannah and Her Sisters has wonderful roles. I love Diane Weist in that movie. I love her in Bullets Over Broadway, too. She's fantastic. So maybe some movies we Manhattan Murder Mystery, too. I mean, yeah, if you, I, know I so love the Angelica ones. Houston character in that. I really have a hard time quitting Woody Allen. I haven't watched a Woody Allen movie for like two years, so what do I know? So, tracks? Yes, let's move on. To our unsullied for now. I'm sorry, rats. So much non-rat content. Yeah. Hope that's okay, 10, 10 listeners. Tracks came out in 2014. I think it was filmed in 2013. Mm-hmm. That seems like a long time ago now. Starring mm-hmm. Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Well, not bit. really. Not I feel like he was a supporting, supporting actor. Supporting actor. The main character is Robin Davidson, who yep. really did this trek across the Australian desert with camels. Who knew, right? Camels, yeah. I had never heard of this movie. And almost no one did, I think, because it it went straight to DVD. I don't Mm -hmm. think it was even in the theaters. So Adam Driver plays a National Geographic photographer, and he's adorable, nerdy, and just enthusiastic. And he just seems like he has a big crush on Robin, Mia's character, the whole time. And she's really a misanthrope. She seems to really hate people. Mm-hmm. And she does everything she can to just be alone. Mm-hmm. And she can't, she abandons the people in her life. It seemed like she abandoned her friends. But I think she was just processing her grief because her mother committed herself. suicide. Yeah. And in real life, it was when she was 11. In the movie, it was said when she was like three or four. That's a lot of grief to process. And then it sounded like she had an, a cool dad, too, but who gave her up to live with her aunt. Yeah, or send her to boarding school, I thought. It was both, I think. Okay. She went with the aunt. Yeah, I don't know what the aunt was like. In the movie, she seemed really cold. Why would the dad? I mean, it was 1977. Well, so... she's a young woman in, in 1977. So Okay, so it was in maybe the... So maybe, let's say she's born in 1950. So she's the same age as my dad. I could see that being a time where dad's like, I can't take care of this kid. It also seemed like they might have had no money. At one yeah. point, she said they lost their farm or something. To they a drought. had a farmer. Mm-hmm. She got the idea of what's the best way to be not see any people for a really long time, and that's to go walk through the desert with only camels. I didn't know that they had camels in Australia. I had no idea they had camels in Australia. I was frantically Googling that, and it is true. So for those of you who don't know, because I had no idea, I guess when people came to Australia in like the 19th century or the 18th, 19th century, 19th century, 20th century, anywho, the only animals that could traverse Australia were were camels. So they imported these camels. But then when people started getting trucks and trains and everything else, they were like, buy camels. And then the camels just became feral. But Mm -hmm. I guess there's still camels just wandering around in Australia. Yeah, that's amazing. I I think the same thing happened with pigs in America. Yeah. Explorers brought them along and and they let them go. Like Mm -hmm. their plan was they would just let them go and find them later to eat. But pigs have babies like crazy and now there's a ton of feral hogs. Yes, actually in Texas and I don't know if you're interested in this, but I've got to pull out my little history fact here. When I worked at Colonial Williamsburg, I learned that before George Washington, when he was a legislator, he wasn't actually a legislator for very long. One of the only bills he put into practice in Virginia was a bill to manage wild hogs oh. wandering around in Virginia. What is what I can't what remember what it was. Shoot or? It was something around the eating and the shooting and the maintenance of wild hogs in Virginia. Well, I guess there's a ton of wild hogs in Texas. There's a reply all about about it that's really good. So there's feral camels, and they seem really scary. If there's a wild camel running at you, you're going to be dead unless yeah. you shoot it. I mean, we see that in the movie. Yeah, the camels, uh, they make the worst sounds, don't they? Constantly chewing. 
It was gross, and their mouths are really gross. And they make a lot of grunty, scary noises there. And they have big teeth. Yeah. Big, hard teeth. It's like the difference between a cute cartoon of a sheep and then real sheep are kind of, eh, like they make scary noises. Speaking of canceled people, uh, Louis C.K. did a comedy thing about seals, just how horrible they sound. Just, did you ever see that? It was funny. Real animals can be really gross compared mm-hmm. to their like, cartoon counterparts, It reminded obviously. me... When I was a camp counselor, I was a camp counselor for a couple of years in Maine. And for whatever reason, the owner of the camp was really into llamas and they had a llama pen. And sometimes when we were camping, my cabin was right on the lake in our, on our property or whatever. And sometimes Jay, the camp owner, between four and six, they had a social hour at camp and he would bring the llamas and the llamas would run into the lake and the kids would be excited, but also kind of terrified. And I could see through my cabin, my A-frame cabin window, I'd see the llamas tearing down. And then I'd see all the kids, ah! And three of them would stay in the lake and the rest would run back up the hill away from, it just really reminded me of the camel. Yeah, they're definitely similar. And llamas, they're taller than you. Yeah, they're huge. If you want to be best friends with a llama and ride a llama, and they're like the cutest friend animal, but in real life, they're really... Yeah, camels are really big. So when I was in my 20s, I visited Israel, also canceled. (laughs) But uh, I had a that would have been a brag, but it's canceled. (laughs) I had actually had a grant to work with a Palestinian museum, Palestinian Heritage Museum, a few years later. So I got to go back, and I spent that time in East Jerusalem. It's the first place I felt Chet kick. I was pregnant with Chet, and it was wonderful. And I'm free Palestine all the way. But anyway, the first time I went there, I was visiting this old roommate of mine who lived in the Negev desert and we were driving and then all of a sudden there was a white camel just walking by because the Bedouins who are this these people who are Are migratory yeah they're Mm -hmm. nomads they were just riding by on a white camel and it was huge yeah that's amazing to work with big animals like that so anyway she learns this is a true story she Mm -hmm. learns how to work with camels she works with them for two years. She gets three camels and goes and walks across the desert all by herself. But the way she finances it, because she has no money, is that the photographer, Adam Driver's character, tells her to write to National Geographic that maybe they would sponsor her. So that's how she gets the money to go. I mean, how much Rick money? Smolin is the name of the photographer, and he's a real photographer. Adam Driver looks a mm-hmm. lot like him. He was so well So dressed. cute. Uh, really cute glasses, short shorts. Kind of shaggy beard, shaggy hair. He's so cute in it. Rick Smolin, did you read his Wikipedia page at all? I did a little reading about Rick Smolin. Sm- he seems Smolin. like a, a great guy. Yeah. And he's still doing, he's doing stuff now on, on big data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, he seems like a great guy. And just his uh, photo, like he just has such a big smile. Mm-hmm. So he's a really adorable character. And he is. And it seems like he's an adorable person too. Yes, yes, absolutely. Did you look up some of his pictures too? Because no. she really looks like Robin Davidson and she is just stunning and the pictures are stunning. He shot them all on Kodachrome with a Nikon camera, which I know nothing about, but he stands by his choices. I read an interview where he talked a lot about how he and and Robin, who are still friends, didn't want to be too involved in the process because they didn't want to feel like they were cramping the director's style, but that there were some things that he would never have done. There's a scene where she's shaking someone's hand and Adam Driver's character is like, oh, can you can you do that again? And he mm. like backs up to get, and he says, you know, a documentary photographer would never do that. But I knew that it helped to advance the narrative in the film. So they were involved, but, but so at a they... respectful distance. Although he does have a cameo in the film. Did you know that? No, no. He has a cameo as a park ranger but i don't think he's the one who has a lot of lines i think he's kind of just in there for a second so they portrayed him as more aggressive you think than he really was because he snuck away and like yes say more about that of the aborigine ceremony he wasn't supposed to photograph he wasn't supposed to go to it but mia wakes up robin wakes up in the middle of the night and they're sharing a room and he's not there and the next day she was like you shouldn't have done that 
Was that true? Do you think? And then so yeah so and then for the the purpose of the narrative, it slows her down because she ends up having to go like a hundred miles out of her way because she's crossing through this sacred land, and as a single woman, she's not supposed to do that. She's supposed to have a, almost like a chaperone, an Aboriginal chaperone with her, and initially the park ranger who she's working with reaches out to the Aboriginal community and they're like, no way. And there's even a scene where she sits down with a group of women and this woman is like, your boyfriend's bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then she goes out of her way and eventually she hooks up with this Aboriginal person. And that's true because there are pictures of her with that guy. Mm -hmm. Mr. Eddie. Mr. Eddie, who kind of helps her along the way. But I couldn't find any research that showed whether he had done that in real life or not. I mean, he's clearly ambitious, and he has a few moments where he's able to sort of convey to her why he thinks the work he does is valuable, because she doesn't think what he's doing is valuable most of the time. But I couldn't find anything to see if he had done something like that with an Aboriginal ceremony. He kind of comes through as he's still really lovable. You yeah, still love him I mean, for he, on the whole, that was something he did that was bad. But he also helps her out a lot. Like he put water out in the desert for her. She wanted to do this one spot alone. They would meet up every once in a while and then he would take pictures. And he seemed to be completely in love with her the whole time. And she was like, uh, when they like hooked up one time and then like not again. And I saw on the internet they had an on again, off again relationship during that. But I mean, Mm -hmm. she's like all alone. And then there's a person there. Yeah. She did meet a guy who lived in a trailer in the desert. That was yeah. his soulmate though, right? Yeah, that was unclear to me. Just because he wanted to live alone in the wilderness away from society like she did. Yeah. She still was interested in nomads for the rest of her life. And mm-hmm. she... She became a travel writer. Yeah. and Like, like Andrew when, McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't want to be that? She was just really drawn to being a nomad. No possessions, no home. And I think she was processing that grief from her loss of her parents. What's your relationship to Wild? Well, it made me think of Wild, but I've never seen it. It came out the following year. Like oh, really? Like 2015. I was like, oh, two similar movies. I wonder if that affected anything. I read the book and saw the movie and listened to Cheryl Strayed's podcast. Oh, wow. So okay, I'm you know a lot deep, about it. I'm pretty deep in Cheryl Strayed is the author of Wild. And it's a popular Reese Witherspoon movie. So she went on a trek in California in the mountains. Can't remember what mountain range it was. By herself. And her mom had just died. And she was like estranged from her father for a long time. So I thought that was just kind of interesting that they were similar in that way. And it seemed like a response to grief. to Just to want Mm -hmm. to detach Mm -hmm. from everybody and just be alone. She wasn't as isolated in Wild. But she was by herself, but she didn't have the animals. Yeah, and Um, there are several scenes where this character talks about how they read quotes from her book, Tracks, during the movie, and she says something like, you know, one of the only things that makes life worth living is animals, and she has this very faithful dog. Her dog was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and she had the camels and the dog. The dog dies, and then, I mean, it practically breaks her. Like, she almost couldn't finish her journey, but she did it. The movie is beautiful. I didn't feel that a lot was happening, but I am not an introvert. So I was thinking about you and thinking about our conversation about the Thornbirds mm-hmm. and wondering if that's something that looked appealing to you. Yeah, it looked really appealing just to go on this adventure on your own. For myself, I'm probably too afraid of getting murdered mm-hmm. to do. And actually, I'm not really a travel alone person. I mean, I've never maybe had the chance, but I've never made the chance. So I think my style of introversion is to maybe pair up with an extrovert. Because if you're traveling alone, unless you're like in the desert, I mean, you need to be able to meet people. And I like to have a companion who's an extrovert. But then it's helpful if everyone knows what people's energy level is for being social but I really admire that just like when that woman in the thornbirds was alone on the island well that you like to have that alone time but it's I mean it's a rare impulse and there's into the wild did you ever read that or see that movie where it's a guy who oh god is that the James Franco one where he's biking and he has to cut his own arm off oh no 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 no, no, it's not that it's not that 
he goes to Alaska, possibly. He ends up living in a bus in, in the wilderness. And he ends up dying because, I think because he probably ate the wrong seed or something. Hmm. Again, he just wanted to be away. And maybe he had like an abusive childhood experiences mm. that he was, or maybe it wasn't that. And he just wanted to, you know, it's like a certain type of person who just is drawn to trekking in the wilderness alone. Mm-hmm. Or like Grizzly Man. Have you ever seen Grizzly Man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that movie even though it was bananas. I'll just say the name of Cheryl Stray's podcast is called Dear Sugars. Have you ever heard of that as a podcast fan? It was a podcast that was popular at the time mm-hmm. like when, pod, when podcasts were starting to get popular and then they quit doing it and I've never heard anyone mention it ever since then. It was hmm. advice. People would write letters and she had a co-host who could be kind of annoying and I feel like that is why they had to quit because he was just sort of clueless about things and then she would be right about the thing and then he would kind of get mad and say that she was being mean to him or I don't know it just got weird I thought and they stopped doing it but I listened to it front to back all the episodes it's pretty good so I'm pretty familiar with her I like that kind of story yeah in general I mean it's it was beautiful another interview I read with Rick Smolin he was saying one of the hardest parts about taking pictures of her was getting her to put her clothes on (laughs) because she just would walk around naked all the time because why not there's no one else there yeah she had like two garments she talks about that and I enjoyed watching it it wasn't my favorite movie how did you feel about the lack of sunscreen (laughs) I read about the production, and they were wearing sunscreen. Yes, as a fair-skinned person, I often thank my lucky stars that I was born in the late 20th century because I would be a shut-in if it weren't for sunscreen. And watching her out there, you know what I kept thinking, but I don't know if you have this. Whenever I'm out in the sun and I don't have a hat, which I always have a hat, I I pull my hair up so it covers my part. I just have this idea in my head that someday I'm going to get skin cancer on my part. So the fact (laughs) that she's got this little page boy with a little part and waving around in the sun just really bothered me that that bothered me too just her being out in the sun all the time without any sunscreen so anything else about adam driver in this movie he's so cute yes and i read an interview with him about it too and he he had looked at a lot of pictures and when rick smolin was on the set doing his little cameo he was sort of horrified when he looked at the makeup mirror and there were all these pictures of himself taped up on the mirror. And he was like, where did you get these? And the makeup artist said, well, we looked at your niece's Facebook page. We just printed them all off because Adam Driver, when he was getting his makeup done every day, wanted to practice all the facial expressions that he made, which I thought was cute. And the other thing that Adam Driver talked about, they asked him about wearing those shorts. And the first scene that you see him in, he's wearing long pants. And when he was on set, he was like, where are the shorts? Because he'd seen all these pictures of Rick Smolin in the shorts. But he also said he's probably never going to wear them again because they don't, he doesn't think they suit him. But I do. Yeah, it's really cute. And it's kind of fun to see him a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And just so eager, about, yeah. too. He didn't have the intense vibe we're used to. So should we do a rating? Yes. We need to wrap up. Okay, you go first. I give his hair five combs. I give the movie three combs. I'm predictably five combs. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we're going to watch a Martin Scorsese movie one of these days. Mm-hmm. And I, don't know I know you're be, dreading it. I don't know if I'll be five combs on that. Tracks. I loved it. Check it out. I saw it on Amazon Prime, which I, I was And it's very, free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, but there were ads. I ended up paying the $1.99 to have no ads. Oh, I wish I could have done that. I was upset because we pay for Amazon Prime, so I didn't even know this was possible, that there could be ads if it was a free movie. I mean, I'm fine playing $1.99, but it wasn't obvious to me that there was going to be ads. I think it's an underrated movie that like no one ever heard of. The cinematography is beautiful, and I think just the story of the camels is so fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, also, okay, I will say my one other Adam Driver thing is, like, he's camping with her on one of their, because he comes to visit her, like, five times, and he's like, I love lentils. Do you remember that yeah, part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, me too. Yeah, he just was enthusiastic. A different type of Adam Driver character. And a great look. Great Super hair cute. and clothes. I love the, I think he should wear those glasses all the time. Yes, it was great. That's tracks. Wait, what are we going to watch next week? 
Well, I mean, it, we could go to Patterson or we could go to something else. What are you feeling like? I would be up for Patterson, but th- here's another movie that I've never seen before, which means it's probably not very good because there's a million stars in it. I know where you're going with this. Is Tina Fey in it? Yes. Yes, I saw this movie a long time ago, but I was not aware of Adam Driver at the time. So I don't remember him in it at all. So he plays the ne'er-do-well younger brother. Uh, This is where I leave you. Okay, I want to see that again. The reason I want to see it is because I was looking up, this is so dumb, on YouTube, I was looking up videos of Adam Driver dancing, and he dances on a desk in it. So then I did like some backwards research and figured out it was this movie, This Is Where I Leave You. But it's probably not going to be very good. We could do Patterson. I don't know. Okay, we'll think about it. Stay tuned. Cliffhanger. It could be Patterson. It could be This Is Where I Leave You. Yeah, two options for a wild card. All right, thanks for listening to episode six of Designated Driver. Thank you. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Liz. We did it.